Yevamot, Kuf Yud Dalet, Amud Betzin, Kuf Tefav, Amud Aleph. Seeking evidence and making judgments. Bishum de Amrabi de Dami. We've been talking recently about the, um, the degree to which a person's own reality is relevant. And we've talked about Shavya Anav Shechatiche de Yisura, that there are times when a person can create a reality for themselves, but they can't impose that reality on others. Uh, they can uh, assume the, the chumrot that come from that reality, the, the disadvantages of their reality, but they can't use an imagined reality to create kulot, to create uh, leniencies, which would normally otherwise not, not be, be allowed. And we, we, we discussed that in some detail. Uh, but the whole idea also of a dut, of, of evidence, is one of creating a reality. We don't know what happened. Witnesses come. And, and, they create a, and they create a reality, and we, we've often said that the idea that we follow two witnesses is not because we know that's the truth. You can't know that that's the truth unless you've interviewed every person in the world. Two witnesses can come and say something happened, and uh, a week later or a year later, another two witnesses or another ten witnesses can come along and say that isn't so, that's not what happened at all. Uh, we can't know that that's the fact. All we know is the Torah says that if the witnesses are kosher witnesses and they're properly examined, you're permitted, then it's yakum davar, you create this, that, that reality. Eidut is really a situation of creating a reality where that becomes the reality on which, on which we function. It's not even an assumption. Chazakot and rov and these things that we've talked about, those are assumptions and we've talked about the importance of assumptions. But when a Beitin listens to evidence and accepts the evidence, yakum davar, that becomes the reality. Uh, that becomes a new reality or, or, or whatever, but, but it becomes the reality. Um, until such time as those witnesses are undone by hazama or by hachasha, there are different ways that the witnesses can be undone and then the reality is reversed. But until such time, that becomes the reality. So in the, the, the establishment of a reality in terms of, of how we operate our lives, how we run our lives, there are really two functions that we have and we learn about these two functions from the laws of baiting. The two functions are in, in our lives, there are times when we are judging and there are times when we're receiving evidence. What does a Beitin do? It receives evidence and it makes a judgment. The difference between a judgment and evidence is an evidence is fact uh, and judgment is assumption. Uh, when you're making, ju when you're making ju judgments, you're making assumptions. If you don't have to make judgments, if you don't have to make assumptions, you don't need a judgment. You don't need to make assumptions about whether it's daytime now or it's nighttime now. It's not a judgment. That's a fact. Uh, a judgment is uh, when you're in, in Ben Hashemashot, it's twilight. And halakhically, are we going to consider this as night or are we going to consider this as day? That requires judgment. Um, and when we come to judgment, we're often making assumptions and we use rov and we use chazokha and we use all sorts of things. But edus is, is, is fact. And it's important when we're trying to sort issues out in our minds or with other people. Uh, in, our, in our role as, le as leaders, it's important. It's important in, in managing our own way of living is to differentiate. Is this about evidence or is this about, uh, about judgment? And they're both important. You need both. You need evidence and you need judgment. But if it's evidence, you can't work on assumptions. If it's, if, if it's assumptions, then it's judgment. It's not evidence. And we're used in, in, in our time, the, the value of, so much value has been placed on 
data. And data at the end of the day is statistical assumption. Uh, it's not it's not absolute. It's you, the, the data tells that in, in X percent of, of the cases, this is what happens. So now we make an assumption that, that uh, data allows judgment. Data is not evidence. And with that, we can understand the, the Mishnah on Kufi Daladamud Bet. And then the Gemara goes on to deal with it in greater, in greater depth. It's a wonderful Gemara to be, to be learning. Obviously, we can only touch on, on, on the principles of it. Uh, the Mishnah says, uh, um, um, A couple went overseas. Shalom shalom ba'olam. As far as we know, they have a good relationship and there's peace in the world. And she comes back and she says, my husband died while we were overseas. We don't cross-examine her and make a whole issue and look for external evidence. If she says, my husband died, we accept. Why? Because we learned at the beginning of the 10th Perik, all the terrible knasot, the terrible consequences that happen to a woman if she says her husband died and we let her remarry and then the husband shows up. Then she has to divorce her, the new husband and the old husband and she can't be with either of them. There are all sorts of terrible consequences. So a woman thinks very carefully before she gives evidence that her husband has died. She goes into it, she studies it, she makes sure she, she knows the facts. So we, when a woman says, my husband died while we were overseas, we take that as fact. We don't take that as a judgment or as a statistical chance. However, either they might be have a good relationship, but the world is, is fighting, or they're having a bad relationship even though there's peace in the world. And she says, my husband died. In that case, she's not believed. Why is she not believed? Um, so Omar Rave says, says Rave further on in the Gemara, what's the reason that she's not believed? Um, my time at the Milchom, if there's a war going on, Mishum de Amra Bedadami. We worry that with a war going on, she's going to make some statistical assumptions. She hears there's a war in, in the Ukraine. There's a terrible thing going on. And her husband was in the eastern part of Ukraine. And buildings are blowing up. And thousands of people are dying. Her, is her husband alive? What are the chances that her husband is alive? So she's making an assu- a statistical assumption. That's not Edut. The judges sometimes make statistical judgment. We use Rov, and we use Chazakot. Rov de letter Kaman is, is a, an assumption. It's in the majority of cases of this, so we assume that. We use that in judgment, but you can't use that in evidence. Evidence must be factual. And we worry that because in war, life becomes a statistic. It's not about an individual story of uh, a couple went overseas and terrible thing happened. He had a heart attack while he was overseas. Tragedy, she comes back. She's very sad about it. That's a human tragedy. But 25,000 people died in the Ukraine. <clears throat> That's a statistic. Uh, and then she, she's overwhelmed by the statistic and the size of the statistic, which leads her to make assumptions about her husband. So, so that's, that's why she isn't believed. In the case of where they're having an argument, the reason that she isn't believed is because we're worried 
that she's deliberately lying about her husband's death so that we will impose the fine. And what is the fine? You can't ever marry him again. That's exactly what she wants. She wants to be out of this relationship forever, so she manipulates the facts to get a psak from Beisdin that, that frees her of ever having to talk to this man again. Um, and, and we're worried about that. So if, if they're having an argument, we're worried that she has manipulated the facts in order to manipulate us into a decision to allow her to remarry. But if the world is, if, if there's, there's conflict in the world and there's war, we're not worried about her manipulating the facts. We're worried about her making a statistical assumption. And that's not the, the role of, of, of Adim. The Gemara then goes on to ask a, a very peculiar question. At the bottom of Kufyu Dalad Amud Bet, Ibailu, they asked, Hechzika hi milchama ba'olam mahu. What happens if we didn't know there was a war in the area from which they came? We're talking in a time when there's no internet and the news is, is slow. Uh, and she comes from a distant country and she tells us this terrible war going on there and lots and lots of people are being killed, including my husband. So what's our question now? So, so we wouldn't have known there was a war. Had she just come and said, we were overseas and my husband died, we would have said, okay, remarry. We, we don't for a moment think that you would say that your husband died if you weren't sure because of the consequences of making a mistake in this area. We assume you've done your homework and you know what you're talking about. We would have believed her. Now she comes and tells us something we didn't know, that there was a war in this place. And, and now because she's told us there's a war, are we not going to believe her? Mi amrinan, do we say, Mali amra shalom ba'olam? The Gemara introduces us here to, to an idea that we again have throughout Shas. It, it, we're learning in these few daf, we're learning principles that we're going to have over and over and over again. The idea of, of a migu, which is if the person is lying, they could have told a much better lie. That's a migu. And, and that has a very strong force of credibility. When a person could have told a better lie and chose not to, we assume that what they're giving us is the truth. So here, she could have kept quiet about the war and we wouldn't have known anything and we would have believed her completely. So do we say, in, in this case, um, since she's the one who told us about the war, even though there's war, we'll believe her because she could have just kept quiet. Clearly, she's telling the truth. Or on the other hand, we're not saying here that she is deliberately distorting the truth. We're not talking about where they had an argument. There we're concerned about this deliberately distorting the truth. What we're concerned about here is maybe she's just making assumptions. She's so overwhelmed with the numbers of people that have died and her husband was in that area at that time. She makes an assumption that her husband was among the people that died. What are the chances that of all the people he would have been saved? And there's no evidence of him. He hasn't called, he hasn't written, he hasn't texted, he hasn't emailed. There's nothing from him. Surely I can assume that he's dead. Uh, and since we have that chazakah, since we assume that in a time of war, war she's making assumptions, then we won't use amigu. We're not going to say, but she could have told a better lie. She's not lying. She's telling what she believes to be the truth. There's a very big difference where somebody deliberately distorts the truth in order to get a desired outcome. And there we say, but if you're distorting the truth, you could have done a better job of it. So we're assuming that this is the, this is, is the truth. It's not a distortion. And the other case is, no, you're not distorting the truth. You, you're telling us what you truly believe to be the facts. 
that your belief is based on a statistic. It's not based on on primary information or knowledge that you've had that you've had firsthand. And that brings the Rishonim Tosfos asks the question. The Ritvor, the Rashbor, they all ask the the obvious question: what, Why are we even talking about this migu here? Where do we use migu? Migu is when we get into the psychology of a liar. You, if if you're lying, you could have told a better lie. But this part of the Mishnah talking about where there's a war somewhere has nothing to do with lying. We don't suspect her of lying. We're not concerned about whether she's lying or not. We're only concerned about whether it's a she's making a statistical assumption or not. And on that basis, where does the Migu work? You can't say, well, she could have told a better lie. This isn't a lie. This is what she believes to be the truth. So our only question is, do we accept that or don't we accept that? But how does a Migu work in, work in here? And and the uh, Tosfus Re in the Tosfus gives an answer um, that that since she went into the whole issue, she told us that there's a war there. She's like acting as a journalist. She brought the news. Uh, journalists do their homework. They go into things. And if she went into it and found there was a war and the, where the war was and where her husband was at that time, we see she's gone into the facts. This is not a woman who's making judgments. That that's what that would be the one side of the question. So it's not a migu in the sense of she could have lied. It's since she could have, um, by telling us that there was a war, ki mechamati, imken lo She's clearly not making assumptions. She could have just said, there's peace everywhere, my husband died, finished. The, the fact that she didn't say that, but rather did her homework and found out that there was a war and what the scale of the war was and the fact that her husband was there at that time, that shows somebody who's done research. So we're believing her not because she could have lied, but because clearly she did research. And if she did research, then she's giving us facts. She's not giving us assumptions. Um, the the Ritva answers a little bit differently um, th- th- that she could have just... Ge- why be suspected of making assumptions when she could have just told us he died? So again, it's not a question of lying. All the Rishon, the Ri and the Rashbo and the Ritva, all try to resolve this issue that this migu doesn't mean we're dealing with lies. This isn't about lying. This is about relying on statistical information. Um, again, there's just so much in this in the sugya that we would would love to spend time going going into. But what I just want to notice at this point is the degree to which the Gemara, the Mishnah and the Gemara, hold closely these two different scenarios. One is the case of where they're having an argument, the husband and wife, and, and it's not talking, the Rishonim say it's not talking about they're just having a little argument, that's normal. It's they, they hate each other. They just want to get out of this marriage no matter what, or she does anyway. Um, and in that case, we're worried that she's manipulating the facts. And the other case, where we're not worried that she's manipulating the facts, we're worried that she's making assumptions. So much so are these two these ideas similar that the Gemara uses a mechanism of migu. And yes, the Rishonim go out of their way to say it doesn't quite mean normal migu, it's different from migu. But why even use that that concept? The Gemara uses the word, why should she be telling a lie? We're not talking about lies. Why does the Gemara even use that word? And I want to point out, therefore, that the Gemara's, what the Gemara is teaching us here is that when you make assumptions based on statistics and you treat it as fact, you are lying. To yourself, you're lying to others. If you treat it as a statistic, that's fine. 
if the physician says, look, I cannot say that you're, you have six months to live. I can say the statistics are that people with your condition generally don't live more than six months. But I can't tell you more than that. Could you be from the 1% that live a long life? Yes, you could. That's the, the problem with statistics. And that's why we'll never let a woman remarry on the basis of statistics, no matter how convincing the statistics are. Because there's a st statistics imply that there is a minority. The minority might be one in a thousand or one in a million, but your husband might be the one in the million. Well, this whole sugi goes through showing, but, but he, there could be a, an exceptional case which makes him the one in the million that doesn't fit into the statistic. So you can't use statistics to, to establish facts. You can use a statistic to make an assumption. If you're making judgments and assumptions, you can use statistics. But if it's facts, you can't. And when a physician, for example, uses a statistic to make a decision, to, to create a reality, that's a lie. And when scientists use and when economists use statistics to, to predict the future and, and create, you can't create reality out of a statistic. You can only make assumptions out of a statistic. You can only say, I don't know what reality is. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. But there's a statistic that allows me to make certain assumptions which may or may not be right, but that's the way I operate my life. Otherwise, I'm paralyzed. So I make an assumption to allow me to move forward. But we mustn't confuse assumptions with reality and with fact. Assumptions is how I operate amidst uncertainty. Evidence is how I resolve uncertainty. And you'll notice as you start becoming aware of this, think of it during the day and during the coming few days, how often those two ideas get in, interwoven and confused. And just ask yourself, am I making an assumption because I have no certainty and my assumption enables me to operate? That's judgment. And we use kazokas and rov and all sorts of things. Or am I looking for evidence in order to know what reality is? And is what I'm getting actual evidence? Because statistics alone are not evidence. Statistics just provide grounds for making assumptions. Mm -hmm.